Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. Let it be. <clears throat> Amen. Friends, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 12 as we turn to the word of the Lord now. And we're going to be reading together Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 42. And as we turn to the scriptures, you can pull a Bible from the pew rack in front of you if you'd like or navigate to the scriptures. However, the word of God comes to you. We want to have it before us today, and let's pray. Lord, as we open your word, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit. Because we know, Lord, that by ourselves, we don't have the capacity to understand what we need to know. But we know that by your grace and your mercy, you've granted us the Holy Spirit to come in and to help open our minds and our hearts to the truth of the gospel. So we pray, Lord, for your presence with us. Help us to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 42. Hear the word of the Lord. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, as this series ends, we've, we've talked a lot about what a soul needs. We know how to take care of our bodies. We know how much to eat. We know how much to exercise. We know how much sleep we need, how to take care of things. We employ experts to keep our systems running and install new parts. Every time somebody gets a new knee, I tell them, we're, that's great, we're one step closer to being a fully bionic church, <laughs> which I think is going to be really exciting. We take care of these bodies. We, hopefully, we've learned also how to care a little bit better for the deepest part of us, our souls, to think about what our soul needs. But of all the things we talked about over the summer, nothing connected quite as well as week six. A soul needs rest. That's when we launched NapFit. And in fact, people were so excited about NapFit that one couple in the church made a t-shirt for us, for the staff. And, uh, and we've launched NapFit First Pres. There you go. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Sometimes a soul just needs a nap. But you know, that sermon, that Sunday was about Sabbath, about giving a day to the Lord. And we so resonated with that. We know we need it. We know we need that. Now, why don't we 
do it. Psalm 92 is the only psalm of the 150 that says, this is a psalm for the Sabbath. Psalm 92 begins with these words. Verses one through four, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. It is good to praise the Lord and make music, you don't do that alone, to make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp or Frank on the organ. <laughs> it's good. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. It is good to gather and to sing praise to the Lord. It is good to put God in his rightful place. It's good to take a day for the Lord. Stop all else, humble ourselves, and recognize that he is God and we are not, and give him his due and worship. So enough of knowing what is good. Let's do what's good. Next week we start this challenge. Ten weeks. Can you give an hour of worship, an hour of corporate worship to the Lord the first day of the week, every week for ten weeks? I'm telling you, you're going to look differently at your life on the other side of this exercise. We're all going to try together. I've talked about we'll have a Sunday night service right up to October 29th to help on those weekends where it just isn't fitting to be here in the morning. You're going to find a different kind of rest and peace for your soul when you put the Lord in his rightful place. I hope you'll try. But today, we have business to do. Because of all the things that we've talked about, about trying to care for our souls, of all the things that a soul needs, there is one thing that a soul needs above all else. One thing. Your soul is your deepest you. It's your most enduring you. It's the part of you that goes on from here to eternity. It goes on forever. And so I take it as my job. It is my task this morning to ensure that none of you, no one in this room, not one of you within the sound of my voice leaves this place today until you know that your soul rests in the hands of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Your soul needs it. Your soul needs resurrection faith. Take care of your body, exercise it, massage it, nap it. Adjust it, replace parts of it, polish it with blessing and mercy. It may give you 80 or 90 solid years. See, your body, your body isn't worried about lasting forever, but your soul is. Your soul knows that it has eternity in front of it, and your soul knows that the body isn't going to last Forever. Listen, when your body is finished, where will your soul belong? Forever. I'm not pulling any punches here this morning, friends. If your soul is not in the hands of our loving Savior Jesus Christ, your soul is in eternal jeopardy. At the end of this service, you know, this is going to be a time. In the, in the next few minutes, I'm going to do my level best to explain to you what it means to put your soul in the hands of the loving Savior, to understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. And today may be a day. 
I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to move this morning, and today may be a day for you that you look back on forevermore as the moment that you put your soul in the hands of a loving God, and you believed in Jesus Christ and knew that you had assurance of faith and assurance of eternal life in him forever. At the end of this service, there's going to be time for us to commit our lives to Jesus in prayer. There are going to be ministers up front to pray with you after the service, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to visit us. It's going to visit some of you, and today is a day of salvation. The passage that's before us is a passage where Jesus talks about a division. It's not a, it's not a false division like racism we saw in Charlottesville, a false division that's built on a lie. No, it's, a, it's an actual division. And it's a division that threatens to be an eternal division. It's a division between those who, who look to Jesus and they believe and they understand what he's doing and they see who he is and they put their faith in him and those who don't. And the doubters, they want Jesus to give them a sign. They want him to prove it all to them. Make the stars move, Jesus. Make fire come out of your fingers, whatever. They say they won't believe. They say until he does a particular dance for them. No. You see, the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ is already sign enough of who God is. There's enough information for faith. God has revealed more than enough information for faith. The problem isn't external as though God won't participate, as though God won't reveal something of himself. The problem isn't out there. The problem is internal. It's inside where they will not see and believe. They will not stop doubting and start believing what Jesus has already shown. That's the division. But Jesus says, you will see a sign. Let's call it the sign of Jonah. Jonah was a reluctant prophet. He was sent to preach to Nineveh, which is modern-day Mosul in Iraq. He didn't like those people. He didn't want them to know the Lord. And when he went and he preached the Lord to them, they all repented and they came to faith which frankly made Jonah upset. You know, he didn't want that to happen. It's nice to see an honest guy in the Bible, isn't it, you know? <laughs> but he could have been a little more compassionate to his enemies. But Jonah was most famous, as you know, for getting tossed out of a ship and swallowed by a big fish and spending three days and three nights under the sea until he was spit up to begin life Anew. Jesus says, this is, this is what you're going to see. The Son of Man is going to go under. The Son of Man is going to get swallowed up. He's going to go under the earth, out of your sight, swallowed by death. He's going to go all the way down to where a soul possibly could be. And then on the third day, he's going to rise Again, Jesus says, this is what you're going to see. And we know, we know he's referring to his life and his death and his resurrection. That Jesus goes under the earth, swallowed by death itself, but then on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. 
proving that he and he alone has the authority, the capability, the power to keep a soul safe straight through life, straight through death, and straight into eternal life. That's the sign. And that's what your soul needs. Faith in Jesus. Resurrection faith. Your soul needs to know what happens when it moves on. But there's a division. Even though all this will happen, says Jesus, you folks, you're not going to get over yourselves. You're not going to stop doubting and start believing. And when the judgment comes around, you're going to see the Ninevites stand up and call you fools because they repented and they were saved. You're going to see the queen of the south, that's the the queen of Sheba, the queen of Ethiopia who, who came to visit Solomon and gain the wisdom of God. She's gonna stand up and call you guys fools. Why? Because you had all this knowledge, you had all the scriptures, you had the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You had everything that God showed you about who he is and you still didn't believe. Enough. There is enough information for you. The question is a question of faith. Look, at some point it's enough. You have to decide. Are you with Jesus or are you against him? Which side of the division? Your soul knows your body isn't going to last. Your soul needs to know what happens next. Your soul needs resurrection faith. For me, it happened when I was only 12 years old. It was 1987, and I, I carried off to a, a Young Life camp for middle schoolers called Oak Bridge, all the way in California. I was probably the youngest camper on the, on the books. I don't know. And the, the camp was full of fun and games and adventures and, and all kinds of great times. They had built a 100-foot slip and slide out of plastic tarps and put dish soap all over it to make it go faster. I almost died on that thing. (laughs) But then at night we gathered and we sang and a speaker told us a little bit about God. And he said that all this stuff that you've learned about, that God has done. He didn't just do it for the church. He didn't just do it for himself. He didn't just do it for for the crowd. He did it all for you. He said, God loves you, you see, and, and he sent his, his son for you. Jesus, he said, is waiting to hear from you. And he explained that my soul hung in the balance for eternity. There is a division. There is a division. And I needed to know what side I wanted to be on forever. He made it clear to me that God loved me, that God wanted a relationship with me and sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me because it was, it was my sin. It was my rebellious spirit, my disobedience against God, my unholiness that kept me from having the kind of relationship with God that we both wanted, we both needed, but it was my sin, my disobedience that kept us apart. But God didn't want to just call me a sinner and send me away. No, God wanted to diagnose what was broken in our relationship so that he could fix it and bring me home. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross 
to pay a penalty that I couldn't pay, an atoning sacrifice to pay off all the consequences of, of anything that I had, had done wrong, to pay a debt that I couldn't pay. And all I had to do was say to Jesus from my heart, thank you, and give my soul to him and begin to walk into eternal life. For me, this was a big question, and it was intellectual. I needed to know things. I needed to understand things. I needed to know the facts of God's plan of salvation. I, I had always known that God was there. I knew that God was there. I grew up in Colorado Springs. I mean, you don't wake up here every day and see the different colors painted across those mountains and seriously, you know, lay down at night and think, I think that was all just chaos plus time. <laughs> Not even the scientists believe that. You know that? There's too much information encoded in the universe. It's, I knew God was there. I knew he was there, but that didn't mean I knew how to have any kind of relationship or to live with God. I needed to know the facts of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. I needed to know. It was intellectual. And it was emotional. The speaker said that, that God had sent his son to die for me. He said God loved me so much that he allowed his son, God allowed his son to go and die on the cross and suffer on my behalf to rescue me. And he said, if you were the only little boy on earth, God's love for you would be so great that he would still send his son and do it all just to bring you home. God sees every one of you that way. And that much love that was emotional for me. I had thought about how, how people, you know, how soldiers had died and firefighters and policemen and women and how people sometimes die. They died for us. They, they died for others. But somehow to think that God sent his son to die for me, that was more emotional. In my time as an army chaplain, I buried three soldiers. And each one of them I knew. I knew. See, it was my job, um, part of my responsibility was to interview every soldier who was getting deployed to Iraq and, and to interview them and, and ask them their spiritual readiness for war. Now, you can imagine these conversations ranged, right? Spiritual readiness for war. Right, chaplain? I'm fine. No problem. Just, uh, you know, initial my paper and let me move on. That, that was some, a lot of soldiers. But then other soldiers, we really got there. We talked. How are you with the Lord? Some of them prayed. Some for the first time. One was baptized. Are you ready for war? See, it's a different thing to, to say three soldiers died and then uh, to know them and to know their families and to hug on their families as you lay them to rest. It was emotional to think that God died for me in Jesus Christ. It's emotional. And so it, it was powerful to me. It was intellectual, it was emotional, and it was spiritual. 
It was a spiritual question to be spiritually discerned. I knew that I had a soul, and I knew that my soul hung in the balance. This is God's plan of salvation. This is God's way. Was I going to trust Jesus with my soul that day or not? It was a spiritual question. And I thought about, well, what, where else would I go with my soul? Who else would I entrust with my soul? Or should I just handle it myself? I don't know how to keep a soul. I don't know how to care for my soul. I don't know how to navigate my soul through life and, and to gain the fullness of life. I don't know how to navigate my own soul through death and into whatever comes after that. I don't, what should I do with my soul? And someone says you can put it in the hands of Jesus. Well, I gave my soul to the Lord. I declared my soul a possession of Jesus Christ. I put my faith in him. I responded with faith, and he responded with the flood of his Holy Spirit. And my mind went aflame and my emotions overflowed and, and I was crying and, and weeping, knowing the presence of the Lord like I never had before. My spiritual life woke up and, and I began to live what this thing that the Bible talks about, eternal life that begins right now and, and starts from the moment you say yes to Jesus. I realized just how much my soul needed an answer to the big questions, needed an answer and needed resurrection faith. And it's found in Jesus. Anne Voskamp, in her, her new book, The Broken Way, she talks about a moment with her eight-year-old daughter where her daughter asked her, how long do people live? Oh, pretty long, she said. Not satisfied. No, 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 the daughter said, how many days? So they sat down, they kind of did some research, well, average lifespan worldwide. They came up with a number, 25,550 days, they said. And her daughter said, well, what does that look like? That's a big number. And so they went and did some more calculating and they figured out, okay, well, that looks like about four cups of wheat grain. So they got four cups of grain and they poured that into a mason jar. They set it up on the table, looked at it. And then Anne said, yeah, but you're, you know, you're eight, so we need to scoop a little bit of that out. And her daughter looked at her and said, yeah, and mom, you're 40. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. But there it is. The psalmist tells us, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We take care of our bodies, but you know there's, there's an expiration date stamped on every one of them. Somewhere is a clock that, that is ticking down, and somewhere there's a jar of grain. And, and we don't know how many days were allotted. None of us knows how many days. Your soul needs resurrection faith. Your soul needs to know that it rests in the hands of one that can bring it eternal life. Your soul needs to know and believe 
Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. And there is a division. Looking at the very same life, these people broke out into two groups. Looking at the very same events, the very same message, there were two groups, those who saw and those who didn't, those who believed and those who turned away. Where, where are you? Listen, let today be the day. Let now be the hour. Let this be the time. Let there be no more division or doubt. Let this be the day that you remember forever that you rested your soul in the hands of Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Let this be the hour of commitment. No more division. Romans 10, 12 says, there is no difference. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for, and listen now, this is for you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is no division. You don't need to be in doubt. You have enough information don't be like the unbelievers are saying, show me more signs. Do another dance for me. Show me something. You have enough. Jesus has revealed himself, and Jesus is here right now. He came, he died, and he rose again. Listen, if you can find the bones of Jesus buried somewhere, then let's quit and walk out of here right now. But Jesus conquered death. He rose from the grave and you put your faith in him, you're putting your faith in resurrection faith. You're putting your soul in the hands of one who knows not only how to navigate the fullness of life from here until you're finished on this earth, but he knows how to carry your soul into eternal life and return you to his kingdom in glory. So we're moving into a time of prayer. Alleluia. Alleluia. Because Jesus is here. So we're moving into a time of prayer, and I want all of you, each one of you, every one of us, to be asking the very same question. Where's my soul? Who keeps my soul? Where am I with Jesus? Maybe you sat in church for many, many years, and you've never said to the Lord personally, thank you for saving me. Well, this is the time. And in a minute, I'm going to pray. And maybe this is a moment for you, a moment where you are, are committing your life to the Lord. Maybe it's time for you to lay down your life before Jesus who laid down his life for you and to say, I trust you and I put my faith in you and I want to be yours. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. I'll pray. If this is a moment for you, I encourage you to make this prayer your prayer, your personal statement to Jesus. But nobody prays alone. I want us all to pray together as a church. And, and ministers will be in the front after the service to pray with you afterward. But now is a time. This is a moment of commitment. And maybe if you'd like, you can raise your hand as a, a sign as we pray, your personal sign. Just come to the Lord. And let's pray together. Are you ready? Let's pray. Would you pray with me? Lord, say after me as we pray. Lord, no more division and doubt. It is time for me to say to you, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you that Jesus rose from the dead. 
Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for saving my soul from my own disobedient ways. I give you my life. I put my soul in your hands. From now on, I follow you, my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, and everybody says together, amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.